0: Welcome to the pilot podcast,
1: where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and recap other shows to answer your question, should I watch this?
0: My name is BJ.
1: And my name is Me Too.
0: And this week we're checking out the new NBC drama, The Village.
1: So stay tuned to the end while we watch BJ enter an apartment building of strangers and come out with a family.
0: I don't get that one.
1: That's what they did on The Village.
0: I do enter an apartment building full of strangers on a daily basis. Are they your
1: family yet? No. Mm, You're doing it wrong. So BJ, please let our listeners know what happened in tonight's pilot episode of The Village and your thoughts.
0: Sure. So The Village is? about a village of people. It's a metaphor. They live in an apartment building in Brooklyn. And we see that they're all pretty involved in each other's lives. So we have Sarah, who's a nurse and a single mom with her daughter, Katie. We have Gabe. He is a young law student and he has an older roommate. We have Ava. She's a mother with her son and she has to deal with some situations with ICE. We also have Nick. Nick, who's a veteran and has a dog. And then we have Ron and Patricia, who are leading up this village and really are the ones who tie everyone together. So this whole show is all about seeing how people from different backgrounds can live in the same building and actually form their own version of a family.
1: And how did you like it?
0: So this show, from what you told me, is filling in as a replacement for the This Is Us time slot. Yes. And I can definitely see how this is supposed to fill that void for NBC viewers. But I was never one who had a this is a shaped void in my life. All of the people felt forced together. So it was a little off-putting in the beginning. I can see what they're trying to do with building these relationships, but everyone just felt so distinct and also a little predictable. I don't always want to be able to guess exactly what character are going to do in a scene.
1: I almost never want to be able to predict exactly the plot of what's coming and yet... As soon as we were about six minutes into the show and had met the majority of the characters, I could have told you exactly how it ended.
0: Yeah, everyone's storyline was very straightforward, which is not a bad thing, but because everyone had a straightforward storyline, it left you wanting some sort of surprise, some sort of tease of something more or deeper.
1: So like This Is Us, there are surprise reveals in the show about how these characters are connected But because the show felt so predictable and they were so heavy handed with the foreshadowing, it felt like when we did get those reveals, it felt like a normal part of the plot. And it took me a second to realize, oh, this is a twist. We're supposed to be surprised by this development or discovering this facet of this relationship or why these two people who were supposed to be positioned as strangers are actually not. Mm -hmm. Another thing I felt about the show is we got to know people, as you said, in a straightforward way. And it felt like through the trauma they're experiencing. So the first thing we encountered was not them or their personalities, but I'm rescuing this man from a retirement community. My daughter is a teenager who is pregnant. I have this cancer that has come back. I am at risk of being deported and someone has to take in my son. I have PTSD and it seems like so does my dog. So it felt a little bit like they were hoping the trauma of each of these main characters storylines was going to hook us instead of having us fall in love with the people themselves.
0: Yeah, I feel like they were attempting to go for the show don't tell approach, but they actually did the opposite. And all they did was tell us the (laughs) plot about these characters storylines instead of showing us what their lives are about or what their personalities are about.
1: Even when the episode ended and they showed that this is what's coming this season, each of the reveals had to do with the person's situation and not with them. But because we were so situationally focused, I actually felt like I got a sense of the rest of the season in a pretty satisfactory way from that one preview.
0: Yeah, it feels like we already saw everything that's going to happen from the romances to reuniting family members to finding baby daddies. So it's like, what's left?
1: And because of this somewhat one dimensional writing on each of these characters, it felt not just highly predictable, but also also kind of corny. Mm -hmm. For example, Sarah turns to her love interest John and says do you believe in the one? That one person out of six billion out there is for you? And we haven't been a population of six billion in a long time. So it felt like someone straight up saw that in a movie and then copy pasted it into this pilot episode.
0: Yeah, a little out of date. They had been saving that line and they were like, ooh, I finally found some characters where I can throw this in.
1: Sarah and Katie's dynamic also felt very we're gonna go for a Gilmore Girls style mom-daughter relationship Mm -hmm. but not developing it much beyond that just they're gonna be witty like the Gilmore Girls but what made that show work which I didn't really watch it but as I understand it is it has so much heart you're invested in the characters beyond this witty exchange between mother and child so hopefully they also reach that point with Sarah and Katie and lastly when Nick meets a fellow veteran he does the wrong salute. So there were just moments that I was like, is this corny? Is this lazy? What is happening?
0: That's the director not doing his or her job.
1: And also everyone in that room.
0: Yes, multiple people saw that someone should have been in charge of making sure we can at least get the salute right.
1: It's like in the movie Dirty Grandpa, which I saw six minutes of while flipping channels. It is always on Comedy Central. But in the movie, Robert De Niro and Zac Efron go on your typical college beach party spring break.
0: Very crude humor.
1: And these dudes run up to Robert De Niro and they're like, oh, the University of Georgia guys are ready to fight you. And either his character or Zac Efron's character goes the Hornets and they're like, yeah, the Hornets are going to get you. But University of Georgia is the Bulldogs. Their rival, Georgia Tech, is the Yellow Jackets. So I don't know where they got Hornets from. And the sad part is that name is a little closer to their arch rival over the actual mascot of the school. Just lazy stuff. I don't get how things like that make it past so many people.
0: Exactly. It seems like there's some details that the writers, director, and production could have easily fixed. It's not asking too much. Even when we see Katie in the beginning, I was telling you, she looks very glammed up for someone who's supposed to be a punk grunge girl with a little hat going out vandalizing a construction site.
1: And you pointed out the CGI with Nick's leg.
0: Yes, there was a scene where he was sitting on his bed. And I think they tried their best to make it look like he was missing a leg. But if you look at the knee region and the shadows, it was a little blurry and something was off.
1: Which begs the question, should he have played that role?
0: That's always a tricky question that comes up a lot in Hollywood nowadays. Do you get an actor who is from the same background, same sexuality, same exact? physical traits as a character or do you let them act like they are that character and I don't really know where I fall on that debate.
1: I can't remember where I heard this from but as soon as I heard this answer I was like oh I think that's where my beliefs lie Mm -hmm. I think it was a queer actor who said I wouldn't care about doing role matching if everything was equitable so if I had just as fair a shot playing a leading straight man in a romantic comedy or in an action movie, then I'm fine with straight people who play LGBTQ characters in TV shows and movies. And I can imagine it being similar for other marginalized communities like people who are disabled or people of color. So if someone who is an amputee or is disabled has an equal shot at playing a character who was originally written as able bodied, then sure, it's fine that this guy has taken this role as Nick, who is an amputee. But I think right now, there isn't that equity. Or shows like Speechless wouldn't be such an anomaly.
0: True. I will say, just a counterpoint, there are situations where there, for various reasons, a limited number of actors to choose from. And you might not have someone available who matches everything. Because that actually ended up being a problem, I think, in, actually, I'm not gonna say the movie. Basically, there was a problem where they needed a stunt woman of color, and then she ended up dying on set because she was literally the only one they could hire, but she wasn't as experienced. And so she ended up being put at risk because they wanted to match the actress and the stunt woman to the character rather than having someone fill in who has the experience to do it properly.
1: Yeah, I don't think what you're saying is a counterpoint. I think it's an extension of the issue. That's why I hate the term diversity because it's cheapened to the point of just slotting people into these available spots Mm -hmm. when it's so much more... Than that. It's like, we don't have to get deep on this. Sorry, listeners, we'll get back to the village. But it's like those articles about young people who come from different marginalized backgrounds who are always publicized after being pushed through charter schools and things and placed into elite colleges and universities, but then overwhelmingly don't graduate due to not only not being prepared for the academic rigor, but also the culture. hmm. And then experiencing mental health issues from that and being overwhelmed. So like you said, with that stunt woman, it's not enough to give roles to people who have historically been underrepresented. You also have to go a step further and make sure you have trainings and development programs and things that ensure a more equitable outcome.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of prep work that needs to be done to establish essentially a roster of potential people who can fill in a variety of roles roles because we hopefully will have already established a variety of people to choose from. You know what makes me holla?
1: A bee sting? No, a dollar. Okay.
0: So let's pay these bills. For our listeners, this episode is brought to you by Audible. So what are you listening to this week?
1: On the other side of it takes a village thinking, I'm listening to Educated by Tara Westover, who grew up with isolationist, survivalist parents set on keeping her out of school, and yet Miss Tara was determined to see the world. So she got a PhD from Cambridge University.
0: Wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. You can find that audiobook and pretty much any other at audibletrial.com slash pod. You'll get a free 30-day trial membership, be able to browse their banana selection of audio programs, and pick a title to download free and start listening.
1: Again, that's audibletrial.com slash pod. Happy listening.
0: And now back to our show.
1: Another thing about this show that I thought was a little off, and I want you to check me in case I'm just being harsh.
0: Always here to check you.
1: Thank you. The show is named after the apartment building, which is located in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I saw neither Brooklyn nor the apartment building. And I expected a Hey Arnold kind of setup where it feels like another character on the show. And that simply was not the case here.
0: I agree. I was... Also expecting the apartment building to not only be full of people who see themselves as a family, but like a shared space that you would expect a family to have. Yes. All we really got was a glimpse at the rooftop party social area that was the most family and village like. But it does seem like they underutilized the apartment itself as well as New York as like a neighborhood location.
1: I agree. I thought it looked like it was all shot on sets and nothing on location, which is fine, but people shoot on sets all the time and make it look like they're somewhere. And I don't know why we had a lot of inner room shots and not in the apartment building either. So I didn't get it.
0: Yeah. You know what room shot we both didn't like that we should mention to our listeners?
1: Oh, yes. Which one?
0: So part of the plot, we have Ava, who at the very beginning was taken away by Ice. And she had her son, who's a US born citizen so he wasn't taken away so he stayed at their apartment and there's this scene where another village member the cop Ben, volunteered to look after ava's son and so the son was literally being put to bed and you can tell it's his bedroom because there's children's drawings on the wall he has childlike sheets he's in his pajamas he's comfortable he's at home and ben is tucking him in while ava is off-site dealing with her own situation Situation. And it just makes you wonder is Ben staying in Ava's apartment? How is he taking care of her son?
1: I guess I understand the responsibility he might feel to Ava and her child because he watched Ava get arrested by ICE. And I thought that was high key. The only really realistic part of the show is Ava being arrested and the ICE officers absolutely not caring what happened to her child. So they were like, sure, Ben, take him in. And all he said to them was, she's my neighbor. So that's the only relationship he established. And yet they were like, sounds good. We're gonna take her in. Have a great one. See a kiddo. And the creepy part in the scene to me is, yes, is Ben staying in that apartment? It felt weird to see him in the kid's room. But I also think I'm just a little bit heightened from a lot of recent documentaries. So I'm just freaked out by adult child relationships, period. But to give him the benefit of the doubt, I bet he feels responsible to Ava and did in front of Ava promised that he would take care of her child.
0: True. Honestly though I would have felt better if Ron and Patricia, the old couple took care of him.
1: 100%. Another bedroom scene that made us laugh was Sarah came home and spooned her daughter Katie <laughs> and I can't tell if it was the angles but her body looked giant next to Kate's body and giant in the sense of so stretched out.
0: Yeah, just enlarged.
1: If Mrs. Incredible stretched out around you. Her head looked like it extended from the top of Katie's head to her collarbone.
0: Yeah, and it's so weird because we're trying to think back. Is she that much taller than her daughter?
1: It didn't look it.
0: But when they were laying down next to each other, she just looked like a large human being.
1: (laughs) At first, I thought it was like a Ben situation where maybe Ava had another kid I forgot about and Sarah was going in to comfort that kid too. And then I realized it was her... teenage daughter who's played by a 23 year old so that's a grown woman that you're dwarfing and i'm not sure how because physically they look like they're about the same size Mm
0: mm-hmm Yeah, it should not come across that exaggerated. And yet. It did. Okay, do you think it's time to wrap up and head into our ratings?
1: Yes. BJ, what would you rate The Village?
0: Would not watch again. Same. (laughs) Dang.
1: I don't think we need to add more reasoning listeners. I would just say that if you like sappy dramas, I would recommend This Is Us to you or even revisiting the early great seasons of Grey's Anatomy for a show that has people who are intertwined and you're surprised by those intertwined intertwined relationships and there's good drama, heartwarming on This Is Us, juicy on Grey's Anatomy that sucks you in. And I just don't think The Village is that show, even if that's your favorite genre is cheesy TV drama. There are a lot of better shows that get to your heart than this one.
0: Yes. Just change the channel if you're watching this.
1: Or just watch Superstore. That's going to be my new recommendation for every show.
0: Same network. So that works too. Okay, guys, if you want to find more of our recommendations so you can pick out a show that you can watch instead of The Village, head to our website at dpilotpodcast.com and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify. And we appreciate those five-star ratings and reviews.
1: You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can like us on Facebook at The Pilot Podcast. You can send us feedback, questions, suggestions for shows we should watch, which we've gotten a lot of those, so thank you to our listeners. We're going to start doing those in the off-season when there are fewer series premieres so get ready for those so send all of that to ask the pilot podcast at gmail.com thanks for listening bye